A school leadership is tough, right? Understatement of the year. And can you imagine, though, being a principal of two buildings at the same time, right? Uh, that's today's guest's reality. He has two campuses with two distinct communities, two distinct staffs and groups of students. And he's just one principal. So you're going to hear Chuck's story and how he, how he uh, resists the urge to become a split personality and how he multiplies himself and all this kind of stuff. Um, but really, it's a great story of how to understand the needs of those who serve, right? And to show up, you know, to show up and meet those needs in different circumstances, which we all need to do as school leaders. Hey, this is Danny, Chief Ruckus Maker over at Better Leaders, Better Schools. And this show is for you, a ruckus maker, which means you invest in your continuous growth, you challenge the status quo, and you design the future of school now. And we'll be right back after a few messages from our show sponsors. Learn how to successfully drive school change and help your diverse stakeholders establish priorities and improve practice in leading change. A certificate in school management and leadership course from Harvard. Get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Teachers use TeachFX to record a lesson and automatically get personalized insights into their classroom conversation patterns and teaching practices. See TeachFX for yourself and learn about special partnership options for ruckus makers at teachfx.com slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. All right, we're here with, uh, this is a, a legit ruckus maker because, you know, Chuck is in the community and super excited to have a conversation. So Dr. Charles Warfield has served the Haddon Township School District since 2002, where he has simultaneously, get this, been the principal to schools, Stoy and Jennings Elementary Schools. Prior to his tenure in Haddon Township, Chuck spent three years in the Cherry Hill School District as an AP at Carusi Middle School. He also taught elementary school in the Penns Grove Carneys Point Regional School District. That's a mouthful, Chuck, by the way, before becoming an administrator. So Chuck, welcome to the show. Danny, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's really exciting. Yeah, well, we, you know, we talk and you're an awesome leader. And so this is, I love talking and speaking with and investigating leadership with people I know. And so uh, that's just uh, pretty cool. And I still have, you know, the Philly shirts that you gave me too. So, you know, thank you for that. So you're a principal of two schools, right? You became a principal of two schools, two with very different personalities as well. Mm -hmm. How did you go about honoring the difference that exists in both schools? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Danny. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, this is great. I too love talking about education and leadership and educational leadership. So this is a real treat for me. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So when I first came on board here, it took some time to just get to know the folks that were in the school, to get to know the teachers. It took me some time to 
know the students. I had the opportunity to work with both sets of PAs. So it wasn't something that came right away. It took some time to develop, you know, a relationship with all the different constituents, both buildings to really sort of understand where they were coming from in terms of their expectations of the school, their expectations of the principal and what direction they wanted to go with their students. So it took some time. Right, right. So time is a component of figuring out these, you know, different personalities, Yeah, listening, I'm sure. What else worked for you in terms of just uncovering and identifying? What yeah, so so the way I went about it was um, I was very upfront about it at, at initially. Mm. I mean, I just went around and asked groups of people. I asked faculties at my first faculty meetings, like, what are the things that you're most proud of here? What are the things that we do best here? What are some things you think might need to change, you know? And so I surveyed the teachers, I surveyed the PTAs, I surveyed the kids. I, you know, I went as far down as first grade. I didn't interview the kindergarten students, but, you know, I let the upper elementary students fill out a, just a real brief survey. Sure. Uh, the younger, the primary elementary students, I went in and we talked about uh, their school, why they love school and what was so great about school and asked them, you know, what if you could change one thing, what would it be? It's interesting. I still have those surveys in my filing cabinet. You know, it's something that I held on to over the years. And you know, it's really important to me to know what they were thinking at that time and still now. But I mean, as I came on board, you know, where Hen Township's a very small community, it's a very tight knit community. So, yeah, so great. into into that environment, you know, I, I needed to tread cautiously because I didn't want to come in and say, well, this sure. is changing that, you know, this, yeah, this yeah. is terrible. And what were you thinking when you did this? I really wanted to get at <laughs> what was important for them. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so from that's how I kind of immersed myself. And again, I go back to time. It took time for me to, to try and establish trust with all of those constituents, you know, by saying what I'm going to do and, you know, informing them of how I'm going about doing it while I'm in the process of it. And that, constant feedback. And then at the end, celebrating, hey, look what we did. Yep. That's a key piece there. You know, I want to highlight that you're getting in data, right? But a a mistake that many leaders do, they survey and they learn something. They forget to tell people what they learned. That's step two, right? So we've collected the data, right? Now we're talking about, here's what we learned. Another thing, here's what we're going to do about what we learned. And then the key piece, and you learned this in the mastermind when we read Tiny Habits, for stuff to stick, having a celebratory process, right? That's really important. I don't know. Maybe as high achievers, as ruckus makers, it's like very easy to move on. It's, oh, okay. You know, now it's the next thing to go after. But you have to pause. You have to slow down. You have to celebrate, right? So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, Danny, I think a key part of that, though, is is the transparency you know, of always coming back, not before you celebrate, say like, this is what we're doing. Just what you said, you know, hey, this is what I understand. This is what I'm doing about it. And sometimes that you may need to revisit that two or three times. Like, oh, okay, so this is part two. All right, this is part three. Now I'm moving on to part four. See that I'm taking very overt about. And then, hello, here we are. I would say review it two to three thousand times. Honestly, Chuck. (laughs) No, seriously. So Jeff, Jeff Weiner's former CEO of LinkedIn, 
he says, until you're sick of sharing a message, that's the point when people actually start hearing you for the first time. So that's like, whoa, because I get sick of telling the same stories, all right? Or like, you know, with your teams and this kind of stuff, but people haven't absorbed the information yet. And you have to communicate in a multitude of ways. So yeah, good point. So, all right, you got two buildings, two distinct personalities. How about Dr. Chuck Warfield? Like, do you have two distinct, (laughs) are you have a split personality when you show up as a leader? How does that work? No, it's, you know, it is me and I lead the same in both buildings. I just, I think I focus on communication a little differently, but I'm, I am the same person in both buildings. And over the course of the years, you know, in, in team building in both buildings, I've able, I've been able to massage and get and mesh those different personalities to, to support the needs of the community. But I mean, the way I approach things, pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. I'm, I think from a communication stance, I have to be careful about my message in terms of who's hearing it. I have to make sure that I'm conscious that both sets of communities are able to hear the yes. message. Right. You know, one, one community may rely on email or you know, Twitter or whatever more than the other. So I need to be conscious of that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the community and, you know, specifically the parents. Did you see any? Differences there, right? So you got two campuses, two faculties, but there's also the parents. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's worth noting that in for both campuses, they are both neighborhood schools. Okay. Both it's like a helicopter drop, the schools right in the middle of the neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, In neither school do I have a faculty parking lot. It's literally the school and then a house, a house, a house, a house. Interesting. In both neighborhoods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're, they're different neighborhoods and different socioeconomic statuses. Even though the campuses are a mile apart, the schools are different. So the expectations of the parents are different. In one community, I have uh, stay at home moms who are very involved, very able, very willing to come in and help in the library at lunchtime, whatever. The other neighborhood, not so much. I mean, you know, both parents are working. And so their their approach to or their expectations or their needs of the school are different. Sure. I'll try and meet the needs of both sets of parents. Both. Yeah. And that's important. As a leader, you got to be responsive, you know, and you can't have some sort of ideal vision of this is what the perfect community is. Perfect community is the one you're serving. Right. You know, you had the opportunity. This is a privilege. Like you get to serve this community. Wow. What a gift. So, yep. and I love that, that you're responsive in that way. I think, you know, you told me that being split between the two buildings has actually been a benefit to the staff. What do you mean by that? Well, I think for me, it's very important for teachers to be autonomous, for teachers to, to have a say in what happens in school, but also to serve the school as an informal leader or as a pseudo-formal leader. And what I mean by that is when I'm not at one of my buildings, I have a head teacher at the other building. So that if there is an issue, an emergency or whatever, that person is the point of contact. However, teachers are, in, in both schools, are required to, to problem solve, to find solutions, to bounce ideas off of one another, to 
hold each other as critical friends and making sure that those lines of communications among them are open. That's really important for me. So, so by me being in, you know, bouncing back between two schools, it offers opportunities for teachers to step up as leaders, not just the head teacher. Anyone can come step in or come up with an idea, take a project that we're thinking about doing and, you know, being the point person on that. So that whole individual or informal leadership component is really important in this situation. Got it. And I remember you telling me you had some uh, interesting stories to share, one about a playground, one about a garden. Do you mind sharing those stories quickly? Yeah, sure. Our garden, well, actually, our garden, no, I'm looking out because I'm very fortunate. I have a window that overlooks the garden. So we, years ago, that's probably 15 years ago at this point, we were told that our playground was out of compliance with the state regulations. So we needed to update it. We needed to, all the equipment needed to be taken out and we needed to replace it with equipment that was state compliant, followed the state regulations. Right. So as we were in, I involved the PTA, I asked the teachers and we all met and we started talking about, you know, what did we want to purchase? How did we want it to look? And that conversation turned into, well, rather than re- just replacing the equipment, why don't we take this space and move the equipment to the other side of the school and take the space we have now and turn that into a garden? And over the course of that year, it, was a, it took a, an entire school year to plan. By the time we were done, we developed, we created the plans for a learning garden where the old playground was, and we took the, the side of our school and turn that into the playground area. So we now have, at the end, we ended up with this beautiful learning garden that teachers go in, will take their kids into and do science projects or they'll go out or they'll write, might take a class out in the garden and do some drawing or some painting or some type of artwork. It also allows an alternative activity for the students at lunchtime. We allow students to go out and sit, you know, they can't go out there and play tag, but they can go out and sit, they can read, they can draw at lunchtime. Not every, not all kids want to be on, on the, you know, in the kickball game and may not want to play on the equipment. They just might want to go out and enjoy some quiet time. So that area is open. We still have the equipment. We still have the playground area and that works really well. But to watch the PTA, members of the community and our teachers come together and bounce ideas off of each other and then ultimately end up with this beautiful area was really something to behold. It was, it was really, I was really proud to be a part of it. Absolutely. You should be a proud. So I'm enjoying our conversation, Chuck. We're going to take a quick break to get some messages in from our sponsors. When we come back, I want to ask you about your dissertation topic, which ruckus makers will want to stick around for because that has to do with distributed leadership, which is a great model of leadership. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and empower your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get online professional development that fits your schedule. Courses include leading change, leading school strategy and innovation, leading people, and leading learning. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Today's show is also sponsored by TeachFX. I love TeachFX for a number of reasons. Let me give you two right now. One 
as a leader, you can't be in every classroom all the time. And with TeachFX, you could actually scale, not evaluation, but effective feedback. So teachers can reflect on their practices and grow. And you don't even have to be there. Imagine that. The second reason I love TeachFX, of many reasons, is that they do something really great. They help teachers see and celebrate the moments of brilliance in the classrooms, right? And what is it worth to be able to find those moments that are just like, ah, chef's kiss, right? A golden moment that you want to celebrate and that you want to see amplified within the building. So TeachFX helps with that. You can see this for yourself and learn more about their special partnership options for ruckus makers at teachfx.com slash BLBS. Today's show is also proudly sponsored by Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies and organizational skills and more. Organized Binder's color-coded system is implemented by the teacher through parallel process with students, helping them create predictable and dependable classroom routines. Learn more and improve your students' executive functioning at organizedbinder.com. And we're back with Dr. Chuck Warfield. We're going to talk about his dissertation here. And from what I remember, this topic was on distributed leadership. I know you could get very academic. Obviously, you've written a dissertation on this topic, but without getting too professorial or lecturing us, can you give us like a two to three minute TED talk on the importance, right, of distributed leadership and really letting go? Yeah, sure. Thanks. And uh, yeah, it's easy to go down that rabbit hole for me. I is a topic that fascinated me from all or from a variety of perspectives, both as, you know, as a teacher and an administrator. It's obvious that informal leaders do come up and being able to control that and help direct that was something that was important for me as an administrator. So basically what I did was I found how teachers were connected using the tool that we used was that I used was a social networking tool that allowed you to take a survey and a way of find who the leaders were in the schools around certain subjects or certain topics, like a school discipline or classroom management or okay. writing. It allowed you to identify who those uh, leaders were in your school and then being able to tap into those people to leverage their knowledge, leverage their influence to help direct the school. So um, it was a long, a lengthy process to study that. I studied schools in, in our area. And it was very interesting. The information that came out was fascinating for me. Okay. Why? Like, do you remember? Like, well, yeah, I'm trying not to go too far down a rabbit hole, Danny. Yeah. Yeah. There were two, two things that really came up that really came out of that study. I mean, obviously, uh, there were leaders in the building, as I suspected. So, but it wasn't as, as many people would have thought. Yeah, you would think the, the veteran oh, leader, yep. Yep. You know, the person with the 25 years of experience, you know, that's going to be sure. a building leader. That wasn't always the case. Oftentimes, it was the person that had between seven and 10 years of experience. And that was consistent, actually, across the board. They were the leaders around some of the academic areas, as well as school classroom management. So, you know, the questions that I asked were, to whom would you go for a question involving writing? 
math, technology, classroom management, student discipline. And by and large, the folks that were identified within the buildings were those teachers that they sort of fell in that sweet spot between seven and 10 years. And I was surprised by that. I, you know, I kind of was thinking, you know, the veteran, the 20 plus year teacher would be the one that everybody would turn to. And that wasn't the case. The other thing I found curious was the special education, special director of special services, that department, those teachers that fell in that department strayed or kind of landed in their own category, which was fascinating to me. I would have thought that, you know, they would, there would be the, they would be consistent with everyone else, but it's almost as if they form their own, their own mini school within the school, own pocket. So I, it was fascinating to me as well. Right. Cool. Well, you know, I asked my guests the same three questions at the end of each show. So I'd love to move to those. Uh, if you could put Chuck a message on all school marquees around the world for a single day, what would your message read? Oh boy. Around the world, one size does not fit all. I think you have to have that sort of perspective, right? If you're split between two buildings. So not shocking that you said that. Chuck, you're building your dream school from the ground up. You're only constrained. Well, you don't have constraints in terms of resources. Your only limitation is your ability to imagine. So how would Chuck build his dream school? What would be the three guiding principles? See, the three guiding principles. Be forgiving. And then in parentheses of yourself and everyone else, do your best. And the third one, there's so many third ones. And be okay with your neighbors. Help your neighbors. Help your neighbors. Yeah. I would say, yeah. Okay, great. For everything we talked about today, we talked about a lot. What's the one thing you want a ruckus maker who's watching or listening to remember? Just that, you know, you have to be open to, you know, the differences with the people that you work. You know, uh, we are, we're in the business of working with people, you know, from the people who are, at, you know, the teachers to the students to the parents. I mean, we're all individuals, but we're all people. And then, you know, we need to be conscious of the fact that, you know, we need to be forgiving of each other and we need to help each other out and, we need to lean on each other and it's okay. It's okay to do all of that. It's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to show a little bit of emotion, you know, and it's important to show empathy toward, toward everybody. So I think that's important. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm -hmm.